pray. Father, thank you for your grace and your mercy, Lord. Your ways are higher than our ways and your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And so we are desperate for your help that we could understand your word, that we could have faith to believe in the Son of God. We ask for that. We ask that you would help us in this time, Lord. We ask that your spirit would move in us and among us, that you'd be glorified, that Christ would be exalted. And we pray these things for your glory. In Christ's name, amen. We'll go ahead and turn, please, in your Bibles to Luke chapter 7. We're going to be looking today at verses 24 through 35. As you're turning there, uh, this past Thursday, just a few days ago, uh, the boys were, uh, at least most of them, getting ready for school. I was sitting on our couch in the living room, and Judah, our youngest, had just finished his cereal and walked away from the table, came over to me, climbed up in my lap, wraps both of his arms around my neck, lays his head down on me, and says, I'm staying here till it's leave time. Beautiful, right? I mean, just so precious, right? That's childlikeness that we love. I mean, we hear things like that, and it's just like, ah, we love the heart of a child. Uh, childlikeness is a wonderful thing. Um, the Lord commends childlikeness. If you, unless you come like a child, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Childlikeness is wonderful. But there's the other end of the spectrum of being a child as well, and that's childishness. And childishness is not as well received, and it's not as well looked upon. In fact, that's what we're really going to look at and see in the text before us today. So if you wouldn't mind standing, I want to read beginning with verse 24 through verse 35. When John's messengers had gone, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who are dressed in splendid clothing and live in luxury are in king's courts. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet... This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. I tell you, among those born of women, none is greater than John. Yet, the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. When all the people heard this and the tax collectors too, they declared God just, having been baptized with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the purpose of God for themselves, not having been baptized by him. To what then shall I compare the people of this generation, and what are they like? They are like children, sitting in the marketplace and calling to one one another. We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not weep. For John the Baptist has come eating no bread and drinking no wine, and you say, he has a demon." The Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you say, Look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by all her children. Father, thanks for your word. 
Your word is truth. It does not go out void. You have promised that. So help us. Bless us. Bless our hearts as hearts that are receiving your word. Help us. Bless us as people who are not just hearers of your word, but doers of your word. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Well, I want to talk about two categories. The first is this, the fruit of childishness. And the second is the fruit of childlikeness. The fruit of childishness and the fruit of childlikeness. Now, this passage isn't just about John the Baptist and how great he is. It's about the people as well that Jesus is talking to and their childish behavior versus childlike behavior. To be clear, Jesus is definitely defending John's honor. I mean, we see that here. John's disciples have come. If you remember from last week, the text before this, John's disciples have come. John has sent his disciples to Jesus to ask him, are you the one to come or should we look for another? And it's revealing this doubt in his heart. John, who knew who Jesus was and knew who he himself was, this prophet who's to prepare the way of the Lord, is now sitting in prison. And the king of kings, the Messiah, has come, but he just didn't expect that his coming would mean prison for him. And so he's struggling with doubt, and he sends these disciples to Jesus, and the disciples ask, are you the one to come, or should we look for another? Jesus answers, and then we get to verse 24, where we pick up today, and John's messengers, his disciples, have gone, it says, and then Jesus begins to speak to the crowds. And as he begins to speak to the crowds... He's defending John's honor before the crowd. He begins to ask the crowd a series of questions about John. And so we see these two categories played out in the verses. The first is the fruit of childishness. The fruit of childishness. Those who are childish uh, are three things that we'll talk about today. First, they're never satisfied, they're insatiable, they're never satisfied. Secondly, those who are childish are rebellious, disobedient. And third, those who are childish are self-righteous. It's difficult to tell from the text here what percentage of the crowd is childish. Certainly we know the Pharisees and the lawyers, he he calls them out, The, the passage calls them out. They certainly are some of those who are childish, but it seems like there's a there's there's a larger chunk of this crowd of people who are childish in their thinking. You look at verse 33, where it says, For John the Baptist has come eating no bread and drinking no wine, and you say he has a demon. And who he's referring to here is what he says in uh, verse 31. To whom or to what then shall I compare the people of this generation? So here's what this generation is like. And then verse 33 says, it's people who see John the Baptist coming and he's fasting and you say he has a demon. These same people who had traveled, gone out to see John the Baptist. They have gone into the wilderness to hear him preach and and to see him and to be baptized by him. These same people, it seems like some of them at least, their hearts have changed. Their hearts have grown cold against John the Baptist. And he wasn't what they were expecting or what they were wanting. He wasn't putting off the kind of aura that maybe they wanted or, or saw fit. 
And so they begin to say, well, he has a demon. It's hard to tell of the crowd who is that, but there's certainly some in this crowd, the Pharisees, the lawyers, and some in the crowd who are displaying the fruit of childishness. They're never satisfied. And so Jesus asks these questions, verses 24 through 27. When John's messengers had gone, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who are dressed in splendid clothing and live in luxury are in king's courts. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messengers before your face who will prepare your way before you. It seems like these people, some of them at least, who had gone out after John the Baptist, as Jesus is referring to here, have grown cold. They call him now demon-possessed. What did you go out into the wilderness to see, Jesus says? What did you go? What did you travel so far? Why did you go so far there? What did you go to see? What was it you were looking for? What, what, what was it you wanted to hear? Were you going to, to find a reed shaken by the wind? You can imagine maybe we're kind of prone to this. Some of the people having seen that John's messengers have come and there's some doubt now in John the Baptist. He's asking now, are you the Christ? Maybe some of them are thinking, well, is he fickle? Is he changing his mind? Is he swaying like this reed? We tend to do that, right? We're quick to judge. We're quick to critique. We don't look at the life characteristics of a person. We hear them say one thing and we're quick to make a judgment call. What have you done for me lately? kind of mentality. It could be that some of the people are struggling with this and maybe they're thinking, he's fickle, he's, he's, he's a reed, he goes this way and this way. Jesus says, not at all. John is no swaying reed. That would be childishness. Paul addresses that kind of childishness in Ephesians 4, verses 13 and 14, where he says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, or we may no longer be childish, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Paul's talking about those who are, who are young and childish in their hearts. And so any wind of doctrine comes, any idea about uh, Christianity, any book is written, any message is preached, and it may be something that's so counter the scriptures and they hear it and they're like, well, that sounds pretty good. Yeah, okay, that sounds good. I think I agree with that. And they begin to go after that. Paul says, don't do that. Don't be childish like that. That's childishness. And, and what Jesus is saying is John was not at all like that. John was not like the people who were, who were swaying back and forth with their opinions of him. He was not a reed shaken by the wind. What was it that caused the people to travel such distances into the wilderness to see and hear John preach? It wasn't that he was a reed shaken by the wind. It was more like what the psalmist writes in Psalm 1, that he was a tree firmly planted by streams of water. 
Blessed, the psalmist says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water. Jesus goes on in verse 25 asking another question. What did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Those who were dressed in soft clothing were those who would uh, kiss up to the king or to a high official hoping to get uh, elevated in some way, some higher ranking and then be able to have the lifestyle that would go along with that. That was not John. We know that was not John, right? He didn't kiss up to the king. In fact, he rebuked the king. He goes to the king and calls him out for this unlawful relationship he has with his brother Philip's wife. And rather than being elevated and promoted and being dressed in this soft clothing and being uh, looked upon favorably by the king, he's in prison. John was not a reed shaken by the wind. He was not a man dressed in soft clothing. Those were childish things. Not at all what John was like. Jesus is showing, though, that the people... Many of the people are childish in that they're never satisfied. They're insatiable. Look at verses 31 and 32. To what then shall I compare the people of this generation? And what are they like? They're like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to one another. We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not weep. This is this picture that Jesus is painting of children playing. And you have this group of children and they, they decide to play wedding. They're playing wedding. And so they ask these other kids near them, do you want to play wedding? And how, what do the kids respond? No, 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 too silly. That's too silly. And so the kids change and they decide to play funeral. And they invite their friends again to play with them, play funeral with us. And their response is, no, 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 too serious. Too serious. He's, he's, he's portraying p- people who are so childish that they just can't be satisfied. No matter what they hear, what they're invited, or whatever, it's just we're not going to be satisfied. We're not going to play along with you, Jesus. They're insatiable, they're never satisfied. That's the first fruit of being childish, being insatiable. It's not what John was like. It's what the people are like, but not John. He was a prophet and more than a prophet, Jesus says. His message was consistent. He didn't bend. He didn't uh, go to and fro with every wind of doctrine. Repent was his message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Christ is coming. He is greater than I am. So Jesus is saying of his generation that they are childish and that they're never satisfied. That's the first fruit of being childish. The second fruit of childishness is rebellion or disobedience. The people not being satisfied, and when we are like that, when we're childish and we're just never satisfied, we just want more, 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 more. We're not gonna be satisfied with whatever you give us. That leads to a rebelliousness in our heart. 
We see it with them. Verses 33 and 34, for John the Baptist has come eating no bread and drinking no wine and you say he has a demon. The son of man has come eating and drinking and you say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. That's the, that's the next step in being uh, insatiable, not being satisfied. It's just this rebelliousness in their heart. That's the comparison that Jesus is making here. Here's, here's what this generation is like. They're like children who sit in the marketplace and they call to one another. We played the flute for you. You didn't dance. We sang a dirge. You didn't weep. Four, John came and he was not eating, not drinking wine. You say he has a demon. And then the son of man comes, more, more like playing the flute, playing wedding, coming and eating and drinking. And you say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. It's just rebelliousness of heart. It's childishness. Except for the Pharisees and the lawyers, at least many of these people used to be filled with enthusiasm about John. And now they say he's too harsh. His message is too severe. He's not sociable. He must have a demon. He's demon possessed. But then Jesus comes along. What do they say? Jesus is too sociable. He eats and drinks and hangs out with tax collectors and sinners. That's what drunkards do. We'll have none of that either. It's the fruit of childishness. It's rebellion of heart. The third fruit of childishness we see in these people is self-righteousness. They're never satisfied. They're rebellious and they're self-righteous. Verse 30 The Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the purpose of God for themselves, not having been baptized by him, by John. The Pharisees and lawyers rejected God's purpose for themselves. God's purpose for Israel was that they would what? Repent and turn to him and believe. The Pharisees and lawyers rejected this, God's purpose for them. The epitome of childishness is found in the words, I can do it myself. That's childishness. And that's what we see in the Pharisees and in the lawyers. We don't need your program. Jesus, we don't need your program. John, we don't need this program you're preaching. We can do it ourselves. We're fine. Our program is fine. We are right in what we are doing. Your purpose and your way is wrong. We don't need you. We can do it ourselves. That's childishness. And it's deadly thinking. It's foolishness. Paul says of the Israelites who thought this way in Romans chapter 10, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. That's the Pharisees. That's the lawyers. 
It's those who are childish and thinking, I can do it myself. I can do this. I can manufacture a righteousness of my own. If I do the right things and I follow the right rules, I will make it to heaven. They refuse to submit to God. They refuse to believe Jesus. They refuse to repent. These Pharisees, these lawyers, are the ones who taught the scriptures. They knew them. They knew the letter of the law. But they didn't submit to it. They didn't submit to the Lord. And so, as Jesus says, John comes along, this man who is more than a prophet, meaning that he was a prophet. But not just any ordinary prophet. He's a prophet who was prophesied about. There's prophecies spoken that this one is going to come and now he comes. And Jesus mentions in Malachi, or from Malachi 3.1, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. And John comes preaching repentance and the scriptures uh, point to him telling that this one is going to come, he's going to prepare the way. And he comes and these Pharisees who knew those scriptures that spoke of him, they reject him. They don't repent. And then Jesus comes fulfilling all scripture, preaching the kingdom and bringing the kingdom and healing the sick and raising the dead. And they reject him. I can do it myself. We don't need you, Jesus. We don't need what you're bringing. They refused to repent. They bear the fruit of childishness. So we see that category. We see childishness here that's displayed in in this insatiable, never satisfied mindset. And this rebellion and this self-righteousness. But we also have another another category that we see here, and that's the fruit of childlikeness. Childlikeness. Childlikeness is commended by our Lord. It's imperative from what we hear Jesus saying, it is imperative that we become childlike, but not childish. Matthew 18, 3, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Become like children. Become childlike. And so, how are we to be childlike? What is the fruit of childlikeness? Well, couple things we see here. Look at verses 28 and 29. I tell you, among those born of women, none is greater than John. Yet, the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. When all the people heard this and the tax collectors too, they declared God just, having been baptized with the baptism of John. Those who are childlike are three things that we see here. Those who are childlike, trust. Those who are childlike, follow. And those who are childlike, want to be helped. First, they trust. It says, there were some in verse 29 who after hearing Jesus' words, declared God just, having been baptized with the baptism of John. What are they saying? It says, they declared God just. What are they saying? They're saying, we trust you. We believe you. We trust you. You're right and we're wrong. 
They had been baptized. They trusted that they needed to get with the program of God. You see, Israelites didn't think they needed to be baptized. Gentiles needed to be baptized. That's, that's who was baptized. They were repenting of their Gentileness. But Israelites wouldn't need to be baptized in their thinking. And yet John comes preaching the kingdom, repent and be baptized. And those who are childlike, those who are represented here in verse 29, they responded, you're right. We trust you, God. They trusted that they needed to get with the program of God. They're saying, we trust you, we'll do what we need to do to get right with you. That's the fruit of childlikeness. It's like a child standing at the side of a pool who can't swim, but will jump because of the arms stretched out of their father or their mother in the pool. It's not that they're not afraid of the water. It's that they trust the one that's calling them. That's a childlike trust. And that's what we see with these Israelites who would say, you're right, God, we trust you. The second fruit of childlikeness is that they follow. They do what they're asked to do. They get in the water and they repent of their sins and they're baptized. They follow Jesus. That's what it looks like to become childlike and enter the kingdom. It's like a little child who tags along with their mom and dad wants to mimic them, wants to follow them and do what they do. They play mom and they play dad. Why? Because they want to follow them. These people, it says, even tax collectors are responding with childlike faith. You're right, Lord. We're wrong. We repent. We want to follow you. That's childlikeness. It takes trust and willingness to follow Jesus. The way is hard, just as we talked about last week. The way is hard that leads to life. That's what's beautiful about those that he mentions, or that Luke mentions in verse 29, when all the people heard this, and the tax collectors too, they declared God just, having been baptized with the baptism of John. These people have just witnessed these messengers coming and saying on behalf of John, are you the one to come or should we look for another? They've experienced and witnessed his doubt. They know he's sitting in prison. That's the way that leads to life. And in in, in the midst of all of that taking place and knowing that John the Baptist, this prophet is sitting in prison, they say, your way is right, Lord. You are just. What you do is good and right. That's childlike faith. That's childlikeness that is willing to follow Jesus even though the way is hard. And it's demonstrated in their repenting of their sins. And the third fruit we see of childlikeness is that they want to be helped. When our little son Judah is childlike rather than childish, he wants us to help him. He doesn't say things like, I can do it myself, in a way that says, get away from me. That's childlikeness. I need to be helped. I want to be helped. It's the same that we see in Jesus' sermon in chapter 6. Blessed are the poor. 
Blessed are the poor in spirit, those who recognize, I can't do this myself. I need your help, Lord. I need to be helped. I cannot manufacture anything on my own, any righteousness on my own that's going to benefit me towards eternal life. It will be of no good at all. I need your help, God. The childlike know they need God. And here we see they declared him just. In verse 28, Jesus says that among those born of women, none is greater than John. That's an incredible statement. John's the last of the Old Testament prophets. Jesus is bringing his kingdom, bringing this new program, his kingdom. And he makes this statement, of those born of women, none is greater than John. But he doesn't stop there. He goes on, yet... The one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. That's just a mind-blowing statement. How could both of those things be true? Of those born of women, none is greater than John, but the least in the kingdom is greater than him. What does that mean? The one who enters the kingdom, the one who is childlike, the one who becomes like a child and enters the kingdom, the one who's not born only of woman but of the spirit. As Jesus says to Nicodemus in John 3, even the least, even the least of those are greater than John in the kingdom. Jesus is saying that those who trust in him, those who follow him, those who recognize that they need to be helped by God, those who are childlike, they are a part of the kingdom. They're born of the spirit and they are greater than John. And that doesn't mean that John wasn't saved, that John won't be in heaven with us. It's just a statement about the greatness of the kingdom and the greatness of the redemption that Jesus brings to us. We are saved by his blood. We are set free. We are brought in as little children into his kingdom. It's difficult for us to tell from the text how many of the crowd is childish versus childlike. We don't know. But it's not difficult for us to look at our own hearts, at our own lives. Jesus says in verse 35, wisdom is justified by all her children. Wisdom is justified by all her children. Meaning wisdom is justified by what it accomplishes in the hearts and the lives of all of those who allow themselves to be led by Christ. Wisdom is justified by what it accomplishes in our hearts and in our lives. So yes, Pharisees, lawyers, you can reject. You can hear the flute and not dance. You can hear the dirge and not weep. You can call John the Baptist a demon-possessed man, and you can call Jesus a drunkard, but wisdom will prove itself. It will show itself. And what it accomplishes in our heart and what it accomplishes in our lives there's fruit, there's fruit to this wisdom, Jesus says. And so I would encourage each of us to examine our hearts and our lives. Are you more childish or childlike? 
Are you expecting God to accept you on your own terms? That's childish. What does Jesus say? He says, if anyone comes after me, you have to die. You have to die to yourself. Come to Jesus, die to yourself, and get with the kingdom of God. Children of God are childlike. They trust him. They follow him. They depend on him alone for their righteousness. And if you realize that you're not childlike, if you've refused to come to Christ as he demands, then repent and turn to the one who will not turn you away. He won't reject you. Repent and believe. And if you are a child of God, trusting him and following him and depending on him alone, then embrace him. Be childlike. One of the most wonderful things about children and about them being childlike is they're not too grown up to express their childlike love. That's why when we hear a story about Judah climbing up in my lap and wrapping his arms around, laying his head down and saying, I'm gonna stay here till it's leave time, we like that. Because that's childlike. But if I were to step down and crawl up into Phil's lap and to wrap my arms around Phil and lay my head on his shoulder and say, I'm going to stay here till it's leave time, that would be awkward. <laughs> right? It would be awkward because we've grown up. And the sad thing about us growing up and becoming more childish is we don't express that childlike kind of love to our Father in heaven. If you are a child of God, if you're saved, then be childlike in your love toward him. Embrace him, even as we prepare to sing, as we prepare to take the bread and the cup, be childlike as you express in your heart your love for your father. In Mark chapter 14, as Jesus is eating with the apostles, He prepares them to take the Lord's Supper. It takes a childlike faith to accept the fact that Jesus died for our sins, that his body was broken and blood shed for us. What a joy, what a joy we know when we do. Jesus says in, in Mark 14, starting with verse 22, as they were eating, he took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to them and said, take, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And he said to them, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly, I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. As we take the bread and take the cup, we remember his body and blood, and like children, we eagerly wait For that time, that day when he will with us drink again of the fruit of the vine in the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness and your grace. We thank you for Jesus who has come bringing the kingdom and purchasing the citizens of the kingdom. And so Jesus, we set our hearts on you right now. We want to remember and we want to worship and we want to expect and anticipate that day when we will feast with you and you with us.
when you will drink of the vine in the kingdom of God and we with you. We praise you. We thank you for your fatherly affections for us. Father, that you would prove your love to us by sending your son as a sacrifice, Lord. What an unbelievable thing. It takes faith like a child to embrace you in that. And so help us even now as we hold the bread and hold the cup, as we sing the words of this song, make us childlike in our hearts. Help us to have faith like a child and to remember your body that was broken for us and your blood that was poured out for the forgiveness of our sins and to fellowship with you sweetly as we partake together. In Christ's name. Amen.